Y'all, we appreciate Samuel Merritt University so much for continuing to help keep this podcast going. They want us to tell you about their new Advance Your Practice Scholarship. They're offering a $10,000 scholarship to anyone who enrolls in their MSN, DNP, or Family Nurse Practitioner programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. If you're interested in getting more information about the programs, you can visit them at fnp.samuelmerritt.edu and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's fnp.samuelmerritt.edu. And as always, we'll put that link on our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. Hey, everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. I'm so happy to have you back for another week of true crime stories related in some way to the medical field and also uplifting and encouraging stories of people in the world of healthcare doing amazing things. Today, we have a fascinating bad doctor story for you, as perplexing as any we've ever told before on this podcast. And for our Good Nurse story, We're going to talk about a nurse in the Ukraine who is the epitome of courage and selflessness. I can't wait to get to that story. It's so uplifting and so encouraging when Joel and I were rehearsing and kind of talking through it. We were both just like, whoa, you really want to stick around. You guys don't bail on us after the bad nurse story. Don't do that. So before I get started, I guess I should introduce my guest host for this week. I have one of my boys on to help me co-host with me. You may be wondering if he's a nurse. Well, he's not, not exactly, but he's a caregiver. He is 23 years old and he's been caring for his grandparents for the past several months selflessly. And I asked him to come on the podcast with me. Hey, Joel. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Joel is a computer and technology major like his father and, you know, our, the entire IT department for goodness, bad nurse. (laughs) He just recently got a really awesome job where Mark works and He's definitely far removed from the healthcare field, except that he's had to learn a lot over the past several months. And I've watched him have to do, you know, all those things to care for his grandparents that we in healthcare working at the bedside do every day for our jobs. And I'm very proud of you, Joel, for stepping up and being willing to do that without even hesitating. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's been an experience. It's very eye opening. Mm. You kind of consciously know what a lot of uh, the healthcare people do, but actually doing it puts it all into perspective and makes you appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, so, so for those of you that don't know, our my, my father-in-law had had a stroke and he was bedridden. And so uh, those of you who are nurses and CNAs and LPNs, or nurses are LPNs, I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> all the different types of caregivers who take care of patients who are bedridden, you know what all goes along with that. Joel has had to do all of those things. And I've just been completely amazed. I was amazed by him before, but Joel, uh, I just want you to know how much it means to me and and certainly to your dad that you can do that. Yeah, of course. So I guess we can get started with this bad doctor story. It's another bad doctor, you guys. So 
This is a story that's been featured on several different TV shows. You guys know I love Dateline and Snapped and all that stuff. And so Snapped is sort of like my um, bedtime stories that I like to watch. Fun. <laughs> yeah, just they sort of Not me fuel. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't. I mean, for me, it's just like helps me go to sleep. And yeah. I, I, I'm weird. So <laughs> uh, this is the story of Dr. George Blumenshine. He was a highly esteemed oncologist at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. This is a place that is known, like their motto is they want to make cancer history. Like, you know, instead of making cancer history, they want to make it yeah, like gone. Yeah, makes like, sense. <laughs> a thing of the past. And it's an amazing, amazing hospital in Houston. He was working at the top of his profession and he was a specialist in head, neck, and lung cancers, a dedicated physician who saved many, many lives. But on January 27th in 2013, he had to go to the emergency department because he was sick and disoriented. His girlfriend actually took video of him with her phone so she could show him, I guess, later how he was acting. You know, we did this when Levi, I've mentioned this before a few times on the podcast, um, every now and then when head injuries or something comes up, I always refer to this. When Levi was in fifth grade, he, our youngest son, who's 17 now, he was hit in the head with a garage door and just started like he became very disoriented, was not able to like it get was out of very co- confusing because it didn't seem real. Like I did not think he was serious mm-hmm. until like hours later after they'd been to the hospital. Like I did not realize it was real until like the doctors said it because I just the way he was acting did not seem like him. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't I thought he was just kidding. Yeah, well, Lynn Levi was sort of one of those kids who would do something like that, would kind of mess around. And yeah. so, no, he would try to say a sentence and he would say all sorts of words that didn't make any sense. We videoed him and, and it was really, it's not like, oh, funny, let's video. This is well, hilarious. Well, it was also We're after he was already in the hospital and, and the doctors knew what was going on. Like, we kind of knew the situation, so we weren't worried well, as we were much worried, as we were but, before. I mean, we were worried, but we were, there wasn't anything we could do do yeah. you know there's you're nothing already at the hospital he's already in bed like mm-hmm. all you can do is accept the situation and do what you can with it so. well and we wanted him we were like you know he is not going to believe this yeah. we yeah. wanted him to like if he Some wanted sort of to documentation yeah. yeah like we if he wanted to see it we would have it and if he didn't we would he wouldn't have to see it but later on he did ask to see it and he was it was shocking to him and he even told us that he remembered that he knew what he wanted to say he could remember hmm. But he couldn't say the right words. And I that helped me in taking care of stroke patients because I know that there are some stroke patients who are trying to talk to you and they can't say the right words, but they know what they want to say and they're in their right mind, but they just they're they can't say the right words. It almost sounds like a dream where you know what you want to do, but you can't do it. Yeah. It's like the same exact feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what was going on with him during this issue. And his girlfriend was, you know, videoing this. And so the doctors suspected that he had a stroke, but his MRI came back clear. So they ruled that out. So, of course, they're thinking, what in the world is going on? It's just a mystery. And his condition deteriorated. I mean, hours after getting to the hospital, he was in the ICU. He was unconscious. His organs were failing. This is a big deal. This is a Big deal. Doesn't that sound similar to like a cancer symptom? Like like if it had gone untreated and then at some point it would hit that point where all of that would happen? So if you had cancer of a certain organ, 
that went unchecked yeah. that then metastasized to another organ, I guess. I wonder if it went through his head when mm. he was experiencing that. Like, mm, could yeah. this be what's happening? Like maybe uh, liver cancer that spread to yeah. metastasized yeah. to the brain, mm-hmm. maybe. So they start doing a battery of tests, and one test that they did in particular showed crystals in his blood, which is an indication of the presence of ethylene glycol. Okay, this is a sweet tasting chemical. I've talked about this before because this is one of those things that people will use, unfortunately, found in antifreeze. It's toxic to the heart and the kidneys and potentially deadly if enough is consumed. Of course, orally, We're talk- usually. Uh, now, sometimes you will find cases where people have tried to inject it and it's just weird but inject it into people's ivs or whatever do you know that i've even heard of people injecting antifreeze like people who have suffer from substance use disorder that are addicted to iv drugs like heroin but they're worried about an infection and so they will literally in antifreeze into their veins to try to clean out what? the infection it is unbelievable but they surely they're on the drugs when they have that idea. i i don't know kind of doubt it I always wonder when I hear that story and I, when I think about that, uh, is this something that drug dealers are perpetuating? Because That's possible. Let yeah. me tell you, if there are any people in this world that understand infections from IV drug use, <laughs> it is the people who Make are... Make money from it. Well, it's, yeah. the people, it's those people, but it's also the people who suffer from substance use disorder. Oh, yeah. They know. They talk to each other. They know about endocarditis. They know about osteomyelitis. They know about cellulitis. They know all mm-hmm. of those things that can happen because they see it happening to each other. Yeah. They, yeah. they all they talk to each other, and so then you have to know that that the drug dealers are trying to say, oh, you know, you can keep this from happening by doing this, or yeah. I don't know. I just I would imagine they wouldn't though because they want to keep their clients right. Like they gotta have income. Well, they have to have a way. I I think maybe having a way to to convince someone to take it, convince yeah. them that you can keep that from happening by cleaning it by yeah. like you can clean the heroin by by you know. Um, Mixing it with, I can't mm-hmm. even, it's hard to even say those words. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah. You can't well, make this stuff like up. In but that, that would not even blink twice at that. I'm telling you though, and one of my passions is to try to educate the community, especially children, about the dangers of IV yeah. drug use. Is it, yeah. there, it is such a, um, if it, once it gets a hold of you, it will change the way your brain works. I'm The drug is so powerful, it will convince you. That it's okay to inject antifreeze into your yeah because you want I mean, that drug about, so bad. I think it was heroin that if you do it, you'll never feel that good again in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah, and it's not even like if you do it again, like the first time you do it, you'll never feel that good again in your life. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to do you know live for like thirty minutes and then mm-hmm. never live again, or right. do you want to just live your life normally and and experience euphoria in lots of different ways? Yeah. Um, and more fulfilling ways. Yeah, more fulfilling ways. Love and and experiencing the thrill of, I don't know, amusement park rides or whatever, yeah. you know. But yeah, unfortunately, these people target young, vulnerable populations. And they target people who struggle with prescription medication addiction. And those medications are very expensive. So once they get to the point that they can't afford that anymore, unfortunately, yeah. heroin yeah. is an alternative. And that's why I try so hard to educate people about the dangers of prescription medication and opioid abuse. Mm. Oh, gosh. It's just, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Um, so anyway, I always get off. T- Sorry, I went on <laughs> Tina <to> tangents. 
as I said, his organs are failing. Uh, they're running a battery of tests. They figure out he has ethylene glycol. And so they are trying to figure out how did he ingest this poison? Did he try to kill himself? Possibly. He insisted absolutely not, did not do that. And it didn't really make sense that he would have. He is a highly respected physician working at the top of his field. Although we have talked about before on this podcast that it's not exactly unheard of for healthcare providers. Yeah, I can imagine it's stressful. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's just too much. Yeah. But he said, no, absolutely not. So did somebody maybe slip this substance into a drink, you know, or something he was ingesting. So the prosecutors are focusing, of course, who, I know everybody in their car is going, the spouse, the girlfriend, you know, because it's always, (laughs) that's who they always go to first. It's almost always who it is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really, spouse, significant other, those are the, that's going to be the first place you go to. They had been dating for a decade and they were even planning on having a baby. They kind of had this on again, off again relationship that she had recently moved back in with him. And it was like, they, it was almost like, okay, we're going to really take this seriously. We're taking this to the next level. We're going to have a baby together. It was kind of that, that sort of thing. And she, of course, denied having anything to do with this, with the poisoning. And so of course they're going to go, well, did she stand to gain financially? from him dying. And so they find out, no, she didn't. His brother, not his girlfriend, was the beneficiary of his life insurance policies. So that's, they're kind of like, well, there really wasn't a motive. There's nothing, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, two weeks after he had gone into the hospital, they didn't have any answers. He's still suffering. I mean, this is going to be a long drug out recovery for him. And they start digging into his professional life. And they find out that he had a little bit more than a working relationship with a doctor, another doctor. Her name was Anna Marie Gonzalez Angulo. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes this stethoscope so amazing. Uh, You can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD Stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream 
I put on every day after work, I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And I have plantar fasciitis, so now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC-free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care. Be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. She was a rising star in the field of breast cancer, and she actually was one of the people that followed him the night that he went to the emergency department. She was with him. She was on that video that his girlfriend took, you know, when he was confused. And so she, of course, denied that she was having, well, she denied she was even having an affair. She was like, no, 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 we weren't having an affair. When he'd recovered enough that he was able to talk to them, he denied that they were having an affair. Although this was sort of the rumor. It was, you know, the Mm -hmm. rumor mill. They said it was like the worst kept secret in the whole hospital. So apparently everybody else knew that they were having an affair, but they thought, oh, no, 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 we're not. You know, so um, after a few weeks, though, he left the hospital. He was able to to recover enough that he went back to his job. And he finally admitted to investigators that he and Dr. Gonzalez Angulo were romantically involved. I wonder if you know she was like getting too much from the heat that she like frustrated him mm-hmm. somehow and he, and he's like you know what why am I protecting this person mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah once he admitted this now the investigators are going okay this is a game changer now we've got a love triangle yeah so <laughs> we definitely have motive from it's his- odd that he wouldn't suspect her I know. Very strange. Very, very strange. So some theories are, are being floated around. Could his girlfriend have discovered that her boyfriend's cheating and looking for revenge? They abandoned that idea when they found they discovered that she didn't know about the cheating until after the poisoning. So they're like, well, if she didn't know about it, why would that's not going to be a motive? Then they're thinking, well, could Dr. Gonzalez Angulo have felt spurned and maybe went to extremes because... They, the Dr. Blumenshine had decided to have a baby with his girlfriend. And so they found out that there were some boundaries crossed in this affair that was going on. She apparently, this is so weird. I feel like this is so weird. She bought a car that was like his car. She bought a watch that That's matched super his. super weird. It's very strange. Very, very strange. Can you imagine? I mean, it's bad enough you're in this affair with somebody. You know, you have this relationship going on with this person that is clearly more than just a girlfriend. You've been with her for 10 years. You're talking about having a baby. She lives with you. And then you're having an affair uh, with someone. And then all of a sudden, she starts doing weird stuff like buying a matching car. I mean, if you buy a matching car just so you can be more like even your actual partner, what? Like, why do you want to do everything that they're doing? You can still be your own person and be in a relationship. 
And she's not even in the relationship. She's the side person. She's doing the weird things that a person in a relationship would do, and she's not even in the relationship. That's very weird. Very strange. He had to have been kind of creeped out by this. After he ended the affair, and this is before the poisoning, mind you, he didn't give her a reason. He, he just said, look, you know, we're going to break this off. Although he must have told her about the fact that he was going to have a baby with his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Because he secretly recorded his phone calls with her. I feel like he would not have secretly recorded his phone calls with her unless he somehow felt... He knew how she would react. Yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can hear her on this recording referring to his girlfriend as being victorious over her. She said, she won, you know, go have a kid, have a good life. And investigators are going, Mm-mm. I'm hearing some vengeance <laughs> in that message. And I don't know, it just sounded bitter. It's all of a sudden, everything's starting to line up. So they also found out that she had access to ethylene glycol at the hospital in the lab area. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, well, okay, now we're just... Can you not tell the difference between someone who was directly ingested with or injected with ethylene glycol versus someone who was poisoned with the antifreeze? I mean, you surely with the blood work being done the same day, they'd be able to find some kind of compounds that are in the antifreeze that are not in the ethylene glycol. Or that maybe it was still in his intestine, like maybe it yeah. was still in his yeah. stomach. I don't know how many hours passed before he went. Like maybe it would have had time to already kind of go all the way through, but you'd still think. But then again, how are they going to find that? Like there's yeah, really no... have to be dead for them to actually yeah, get to Yeah, or like yeah. take stomach contents. And yeah, they yeah. knew it was in his blood. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's what true. mattered, yeah. you know. Uh, I mean, finding out that she's got access to this. I mean, they arrested her. They also said that she had been t- with him the day that he got sick. So I mean, they were just going, okay, you're gone. They arrested <laughs> her, charged her with aggravated assault. And her trial started in the fall of 2014. Now, she had patients that were absolutely diehard fans of hers because she saved their lives. I mean, they rallied in support of her. They were like, there is no way she did this. She is a saint. She is wonderful. She apparently was just a absolute superstar. Well, I'm sure she was when mm-hmm. she was treating them. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't know any differently. Right. Well, the prosecutors were worried that the jury is going to have a hard time accepting that this wonderful, you know, beloved doctor who healed so many people were then was then over here hatching this big murder scheme. Yeah. Well, people can be different people in different situations. Yeah. And in different environments. It's yeah. Just, that's just how it is. Yep. That's true. So... They decide, well, we're going to have to call some of her coworkers to the stand, some of her fellow doctors. And so these coworkers testified that Dr. Gonzalez Angulo was in love with Dr. Blumenshine. So one of these doctors that testified against Dr. Gonzalez Angulo said that she told her that Dr. Blumenshine had been poisoned even before the fact actually came out that he was poisoned. And she even said that she referred to ethylene glycol. So, I mean, if she, you know, he, here he is, he's sick, he's going to the hospital, all this weird stuff, they're doing all these tests, they don't know what's wrong. But then she is all distraught talking to a fellow, you know, coworker, another doctor. And they're like, well, I wonder what's wrong. And she's like, oh, he was poisoned, yeah. you know, with ethylene glycol. Okay. You have to know that she's more intelligent than that. Mm-hmm. that this is the result of 
adrenaline running and Mm -hmm. she's probably in the state of mind that she can't think and she's just trying to think of a way to pass to make people not suspicious of her but right I, i feel like in these at least attempted murder cases people's adrenaline gets them caught mm-hmm. more times than not. Like you you always wonder how people didn't get away with it. Like it would have been so easy. Why did you do these this stupid thing that would have that kind of ruined it for you? Mm-hmm. But when you're in that situation and you kind of have a part of you that's a good person, mm-hmm. it completely makes you incapable of thinking. I feel like that's the way it is. Uh, you guys know that, that listen to podcasts all the time. I've said that over and over again so many times that I tell people all the time that listen to the podcast, if you're thinking about doing something crazy, if you're thinking about doing something, you just, you, you've got to stop yourself because there is no way you're going to get away. You are not going to get away with this. You cannot, you, once you cross that line yeah. and you do something crazy you're that adrenaline just makes you a complete in, incapable yeah. of thinking clearly doing that thing makes you a different person mm-hmm. from that point on you you're ne- you'll never be the same right and i feel like like yeah maybe the person you are now would get away with it but you're not going to be that person no. after you do it you will not be able to think <laughs> clearly you will make a mistake you will mess up somehow miss something that you were supposed to you thought mm-hmm. you would have never missed something so easy Look, I do. I've been doing these stories every week for three years. I'm telling you, you will. It's just you'll get caught, you know. And and I say that because I know that there are obviously so many people who are good, otherwise good people, and they just do these impulsive things, or they just get so caught up. I don't know. Well, sometimes people are very impulsive, and they can get caught up on things. And she was obviously very uh, attached to him. Mm-hmm when maybe he wasn't to her and that was kind of her downfall yeah where she was kind of in this situation where she couldn't go on without what she thought that they should have yeah and when she realized that she wasn't going to have that because they were gonna have kids that's kind of what pushed her over the edge right i i totally agree i mean i and i think that's what happens and obviously she was a good person where she was taking care of these people and saving people's lives and she probably was an awesome doctor but it just takes one part of your life to not have control over to turn you into a different person. Yeah, just get totally derailed. Well, in court, the uh, prosecutor called her a devious, diabolical, and dangerously deadly. I'm <laughs> like, why are you? De-? That's so weird. <laughs> but he said it was the portrait of a woman with a fatal attraction like Glenn Close in the movie. And one of the prosecutors called her this is so weird and and you guys sometimes people would be like hey let me know if there's going to be any animal cruelty so i'm just going to say fast forward a little bit because what i'm about to say is kind of disturbing but in that movie glenn close like stole like the the family bunny and boiled it in a big pot in their kitchen like in the family's kitchen and they found it it was horrible and just disturbing so this prosecutor called her a bunny boiler and i was just like that's so weird sounds like a classic prosecutor move to say something like that because animal cruelty is a classic Mm. sign of someone who is like a murderer inherently so that would immediately associate her with being more guilty with the jury than not yeah not having a conscience just being like a sociopath Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah exactly he testified that he had an affair he told the court that he had coffee with her the morning that he fell ill. He said that it tasted sickeningly sweet, and a poison expert testified that the timeline for 
when he actually would have ingested the poison and it was consistent with when he actually got sick. So in other words, like when he drank the coffee, he got sick about the time that he would have had that been when he ingested that ethylene glycol. I wonder if they know how much was in the coffee mm. and if that has anything to do with the timeline. Because, I mean, they could have just said, well, if there was this much in the coffee, then it would have taken this much amount of time mm-hmm. to for him to start feeling the effects. So it's possible that it would. Well, he's, he said that she actually made him coffee while they were at home or yeah. wherever. Oh, at home. Um, or at her home or wherever they were. I don't know where they were, but wherever they were. She made him coffee. He drank it. He remembered thinking it was kind of sweet. So she would have had to bring it home from the hospital? Well, no. I think they were maybe like, maybe they were at her apartment or something because they were together. Yeah. She would have had to bring it to her apartment from the hospital in order to to poison it. Oh, yeah. And then they, she made like a to-go cup, like a, you know, like you'd make a little to-go coffee thing. She made some to-go coffee and they took it. So he drank, there's no telling how much he drank. Because he drank the cup at home and he drank more in that. Probably not all of it, because if it was all of it, it probably would have killed him. Oh, my god! I would imagine that she would know generally mm-hmm. how much it would take to kill a person. Yeah. He probably didn't finish the cup. I'm surprised they only charged her with, with what the are assault. They? Assault. Because yeah. it yeah. seems like it would be attempted, attempted murder. murder. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Man, for as sick as he was. Yeah. Well, the def- her defense attorney and his, uh, and his team said that she gave him the expensive gifts because she was generous, not because she was obsessed. That's insane. Yeah. They argued that she wasn't fully considered, or they argued that his girlfriend wasn't fully considered as a suspect. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, because they they were like, what, you just took her at her word? She said, I yeah. didn't know. And they were like, okay, let's go on, move on. You know, she They're going, wait, you should have looked into yeah. that a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, completely. I think where they went wrong was focusing on the expensive gifts. Like, that seems very obvious that if you're buying the same car Mm. as this person that's not a sane person yeah so you need to stay away from that and focus on the actual fact that there's really no evidence tying her to the case exactly and they tried to punch holes in the poison expert's testimony but you know they did the best they could they just they didn't have a lot to work with when you've got this amount of things pointing toward her Mm mm-hmm there's really not much to do. I mean, they said there wasn't any direct evidence, her defense said. But if you think about what the other doctor said, that she told her that he had been poisoned yeah, before anybody yeah. knew he'd be poisoned. That, that mm-hmm. honestly is the only direct evidence that mm-hmm. they really have. But there's 99 other instances right. of indirect evidence. So it all adds up. If it fits, you know, it ships. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the trial lasted eight days. That's a long jury trial. They deliberated for eight hours, and then they delivered a verdict of guilty, of aggravated assault. She was convicted. She was 43 years old, and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and she had to surrender her license, which, thank goodness. Honestly, I feel like that's a lot worse than a lot of worse crimes get. Like, I feel like that was a good sentence, Mm -hmm. like all things considered. But I feel like a lot of other worse crimes that actually in, result in death, mm-hmm. they somehow get off. It's yeah, frustrating. we've but done so them. This one we talked feels about them on. Yeah. Good. yeah, yeah, we've definitely talked about it before on this podcast, and we just did not long ago a story about a doctor here in Tennessee many many years ago who killed his wife and mother in law, and was convicted and only served like six years or something, yeah. and got out, yeah. and then got his medical license back. <laughs> Come frustrating. On. Yeah. So I guess that does it for that. Ugh. 
bad doctors. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I know. It's bad. It's it's good because he got he actually was able to he was able to return to work. So I guess maybe yeah. he didn't suffer any long lasting I hope. Maybe he could have. I mean kidney problems or who knows. Yeah. But all things considered he's probably pretty thankful for yeah. the situation. I am sure. I am sure. Yeah. At least there was that good an you know, outcome. Yeah. It can be tough to transition from a student to a professional nurse. I remember feeling like I wasn't ready to start taking care of patients when I got out of nursing school. It was scary. And I started out at a facility that didn't have a nurse residency program. I quickly switched to a hospital that had more resources, but they didn't start their nurse residency program until a year later. And it really hit me watching those new grads, how wonderful it would have been to have the resources and support that I was seeing them have. I want you to have those resources as a new grad. That's why I want to tell you about the nurse residency program program with HCA Healthcare. Their program supports newly graduating nursing students at the early stages of their careers. HCA Healthcare's year-long nurse residency program helps first-year nurses transition from the classroom to working in the field with confidence, develop critical thinking skills through hands-on clinical experience, and get support from a community of caring, experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents. Plus, nurse residents get access to a range of opportunities to learn from specialists in various areas, such as ER, critical care, or ICU, and surgical services. Not only that, HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program comes with other great benefits like tuition reimbursement and student loan assistance, 401k match, clinical instruction by subject matter experts, continual support from mentors, and more. Build a foundation for your career at any of HCA Healthcare's 184 hospitals across 19 states. Students who are preparing to graduate and recent grads are eligible to apply to the nurse residency program at HCA Healthcare. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare, an equal opportunity employer. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house. So it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. So we're going to talk about now a nurse who is in the Ukraine. And this is, I told you guys, I promised you it was going to be a really uplifting story. And it really is. This nurse makes house calls near Ukraine's front lines. So there's a Ukrainian village called Trakhizbenka. And you guys know I'm terrible at pronouncing stuff. But it's pretty good. That, that's what it looks like. It anyway. wasn't Trakhizbenka. Yeah. <laughs> Trakhizbenka. It used to be a weekend getaway destination, apparently, and a relaxing place. This is a, from an article, by the way, in CNN. And uh, this was just from February 12th of this year, 2022. And so it's a nice city where, you know, sort of on the outskirts where people who live in the city would go and get some fresh air, that sort of thing. And then war broke out in 2014. And so the village is, you know, now on the front lines of this ongoing conflict. And so with Russia. I wonder, is this city still in Ukraine now because they took part of the Ukrainian territory in 2014, a small part, and we didn't act on it. And I wonder if she's still... It is because this was just from February and they're talking about how she's still... Okay. So it's probably right on the outskirts of Mm -hmm. the part that was taken. Must be. I'm guessing. I I don't actually know. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, a lot of people have fled this area. And this nurse's name is Lilia Schwez. She is a 56-year-old nurse who works in an understaffed and underfunded clinic and ser- that serves five villages. And she said, I didn't want to be the only nurse here. I wish there was a full-time doctor and more nurses, but this is what life handed me. It sounds like every nurse in where we're at, too, yeah. in hospitals, yeah. <laughs> except times 100. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So... She said that uh, apparently there's a dental chair in one room of the clinic, but there hasn't been a dentist there for years. There's a room where it's supposed to be for OBGYN, but that doctor only works one day every week or two. And the nearest hospital is an hour and a half away. So she does house calls. Her husband, Vova, drives her to her appointments. This is so sweet. And most of her patients are elderly. Many of them live alone. And COVID-19 has been a problem, but not the only one. She said that alcoholism and diabetes are rampant, obviously coping mechanisms for such a stressful situation. I would imagine that people aren't out as much as they are in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So COVID-19 wouldn't be as much of an issue. Yeah. Even though it is older population, alcoholism and diabetes, I I, I can definitely see how that's more of an issue there. Absolutely. So her home is actually close to the the line of control. She can see it from her backyard. So her roof was destroyed by shelling in 2015, and now she has terrible nightmares, she says, about shells raining down on people that are asleep in their beds. But she just will not abandon the people who are counting on her. She said, this is what war handed me, set me on a new path, and that's okay. It's my life work now. That is absolutely incredible. I don't think I've ever heard of a person having dreams and nightmares about other people. Mm-hmm. Usually nightmares are about yourself being in a you know tough situation. Yeah. But she's having nightmares about these other people and worrying about them. She's obviously such a selfless person. It's, I know. It's just so worried just about that. Exactly people. what everyone wishes, wishes they could be. You know, I did want to take a minute to talk a, a li- just a, a very briefly. I, I don't know a whole lot about the situation. Most people are talking about this now because it's so prominent, you know, in the media. But there are Russians who are taking to the streets to protest the invasion of, the, of Ukraine. So this is all on Vladimir Putin, who has initiated this. And what I think is really interesting is how the Ukrainian president has really risen to the moment and... I think everybody's pretty shocked because I don't think his poll numbers were great before this latest thing that kind of took place. He's a comedian. He didn't have any experience in politics. That's normal for politicians to go up in the polls when war happens. But I feel like with him, it's exacerbated. Probably the best we've ever seen like in history. I, I can't imagine it being any better, the response during wartime for him to be on the front line. Maybe not front lines, but like in the cities where the fights are happening and saying, we're not leaving, we're not giving up, and just giving life to the Ukrainian people and knowing that their leader cares about them that much to put his own life on the line. I know. I'm very impressed by this man and what he's been willing to do. Apparently, the United States offered an out for him. They said, you know, we come and give you a way out. And he said, I need weapons. I don't need a ride. That was his response. He said the two countries didn't need a cold war, not a hot war, not a hybrid war. He said, when you attack us, you will see our faces, not our backs, but our faces. 
he's been very brave and he's stayed there with yeah. his people when he's been offered a way out. I, I do think I that's very crazy. I have so much respect for the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's so clear from the response that they've had from the situation that they have way more strength than we do as a society over here in America. Well, I mean, we haven't been tested clear. in a while, I think. Yeah. I mean, you it's know. a different mindset. It's just a different society, different culture. Yeah. I mean, the, I heard a story of eight soldiers on an island defending it in Ukraine, and there was a Russian warship, and they said uh, the Russian warship told them to surrender, and they all got together, and they said, F you to the warship, and they all, and like over the intercom, and they all perished. Oh. But they wanted to die for their country instead of just allowing it to be taken over. It's so sad. It's just a good example of their mindset and their love for their country. It's not right that anybody should have to die for their country. No, of course it's not. just hate it so much. But hopefully there can be some end to this soon, I hope, some resolution. If you guys want to know how you can support the people in Ukraine, there is an, a really good article from NPR that we will put the link down into the description. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to look down in the description, we'll put a link there. This NPR article has a list of organizations UNICEF, Voices of Children, MSF, Sunflower of Peace, International Committee of the Red Cross, Save the Children, lots of different organizations that are all raising funds to help the people in different ways. So if you want to look into that, if you're wanting to find out ways that you can help in this situation. I'm sure all of those are doing really good work because the Russian military has been attacking residential areas. I've seen like actually actual war crimes you know they attack areas of ukraine that are completely non-military there's no military structure there it's completely residential and no defense it's just purely terrorism Mm -hmm. and trying to get them to just give up and demoralize them and it's disgusting and i'm I'm sure a lot of this is helping in, in aiding those people who are there I guess all we can do is just try to bring awareness, keep yeah. you know, keep talking about it. There are other issues. There are other things going on in the world. Next week, we're going to be talking about this, a situation in Ethiopia that's been going on for years, and it's getting really bad right now. So we're going to talk about that. But for now, I guess this wraps up another episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Thank you, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate <fun>. you. <laughs> You guys know that you can find us, of course, at goodnursebadnurse.com, and you, we're on social media at goodnursebadnurse. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to send me an email, tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can send me your stories, your ideas, or just want to give us feedback on the podcast. We welcome any and all commentary from you. And of course, I want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Mm-hmm.